<laughs> so in a sense, why we're interested in the thoughts is they're held as they're about us, yeah, or that we're the thinker of them. That's the bonding agent. It isn't the thought. The thought, because you can see if you and I had the same thought, its effects would be based on the condition of you and I. Yeah? It would be the same thought, but where the, where the effect is triggered isn't from the thought, it's from the mind. If the thought's about me, it's going to have an impact. If that same thought is about you, I have immunity to it. Yeah? As soon as it becomes about me, that's the glue or the bondage to the identification as a self. Yeah? So in AA, you come in and you listen to people share. And again, most of the time, you don't know what you're suffering from until it gets relieved. You really don't. Yeah? Because that's why you're suffering from it. You have no idea. You have no idea the condition you're in. That's why the condition is the one you're in. <laughs> Seriously. So here you go walk into AA, and you're in a very strong sense of terminal uniqueness. You think no one thinks like you. No one feels like you, and no one has done the heinous things that you have done in situations in life, and you're and you're not really sharing much with many people at the bar or the you know the the crack house. You know, I'm not having deep. You know, we're not doing inventories at the crack house. You know, <laughs> so you come in AA and people are sharing, and they I'm sitting there, and it has nothing to do with you listening. Your ears going to hear it because you're conscious, yeah, and your ears open. So they're starting to talk about themselves and their day and how things are going. And so they share their thoughts and their feelings and their reactions to life. And after a few months of listening to a lot of people, I had to come to two conclusions. How did they get my thoughts? Or they're not my thoughts. Yeah. How did they get my feelings, these deep, terminally unique feelings? This Jamoke just shared about it today, who I don't even relate to whatsoever. How did he get my feelings, you know? And I thought I was the only person who ever did that. And I've heard three people in the one room share about doing the same thing. So what occurs is they can't, obviously they're not yours. Yeah. So for, then you suddenly start seeing alcoholism as almost like a foreign installment or as a parasite. And that all these people are different hosts for that parasite. I'm not saying you're a host. I'm saying that's the role that's played here. There's a host and then there's a mental parasite. And the alcoholism has us. So after a period of time, I realize a lot of people in the rooms, I don't identify with at all, but I identify with what's taking them over. I definitely identify with that, yes? Because I have lived the similar way they've lived. And I don't come from their area, I'm in a different total culture maybe, my social background's different, but the same installment that has had me has had them. So when they share about living under that tyranny, I identify with it. Because I've been living under that tyranny. Yeah? And that's when the first glimmer of possibilities start opening up. Because as soon as you can break that shell of terminal uniqueness where no one can understand you, therefore no one can help you, and this and that, that is, the, that is like the hard shell of the parasitical movement. As soon as that opens up a little bit and you start listening to other people, what happens? Maybe it first springs forth as hope, yes? But after a short period of time, you come to believe that what? A power greater than yourself can finally relieve you of this thing. Yeah? And how can it relieve you of it? Because I heard a person say it at a meeting yesterday. 
And it's funny, because it sounds like they didn't miss much, but they missed a huge amount. They are talking about the hopeless state of mind and body, and that's not what is said in the, in the forward. It says it's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Yeah? And this is what happens. People share, and they don't have it down right. And it, con- and it, it conveys a whole different meaning than the other statement. If it was a hopeless state of mind and body, then all my fuck it and all my I'm just going to get loaded as long as I can was perfectly logical. Yeah? But it's a seemingly seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. That means it appears to be true or false to you. You have a big role in it. You have a big role in that thing being hopeless or not hopeless. You have a huge role in it. Yeah? So as soon as I could see, hey, this is a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, then there's the possibility of recovery. Yes. A radical recovery. So first I started doing that for quite a while, and then I heard this little invitation that you may not be that that you call self. Yeah? This feeling, and it was more rooted in feeling, because the, many people talk about the ego as if it's a, like an arm, a mental arm that's representing them. But the real bondage is a feeling. It's a sense of being a self. There's a feeling to it, yeah? Because a feeling is much more convincing than a thought, yeah? So there's the thought of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, and it's wrapped with feeling. So every time, every day, all day, when conscious contact is bringing me my experience, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, smelling, and and, uh, seeing thoughts, every time that consciousness is allowing me to have contact here, or is providing a contact called your life or an experience, this little mental process that I call selfing, an activity of a mental process, claims that consciousness and says, I'm the one who's conscious. Paul, this historical figure who was born then, and you know, somehow totally different kid, and now a totally different adult, but there's a continuum because I have pictures to prove it. There I was then, and I have mental pictures to prove it. And now here I am, and I'm really worried about what I'm going to be like later. Well, you know, when if you're really worrying about how you're going to be later, you're worrying about a complete stranger. Because you wouldn't even recognize you in 20 years. You'll have a whole different personality and everything else. <laughs> so the selfing is, okay, so hearing. All right, that's what Buddha says. Hey, when you hear, hear. When you see, see. When you hear, hear. When you see, see. When you feel, feel. When you taste, taste. When you touch, touch. When you smell, smell. Very simple, yeah? But how is it that we travel during the day with all of this hearing, seeing, smelling? The emphasis doesn't go on the hearing, does it? It goes on the herd or the hearer, yeah? I become the hearer, I become the seer, I become the feeler, I become the taster, I become the toucher, I become the thinker, which is an incredible leap, yes? And therefore, the emphasis leaves the conscious contact, which is seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, like the event now, and the emphasis goes on the who and the what. This is called a mental interpretation, hijacking life, and making it a story, with you as the star of it. And you know what? That little mental process can't take the responsibility of being the center of the universe. It flips itself out, produces tons of neuroses, and sooner or later there's going to be seeking to get relief from this unbearable unbearable self-centeredness, 
and it's going to seek in an ignorant way, and it's going to look outside of itself instead of looking at the self. It's going to look outside of itself, and you know what? The original disease or, or addiction is your mind's addicted to the idea of being a someone, a you, yeah? And that thing can never be complete. You're never going to change your nature, which I would say is more of spirit, and become a body or a mental process. You're not going to do it. You are already a nature before. Like Jesus says, you're in this world, but you're not of it. You're in this world of mental realm and interpretation, but you're actually not of it. It's just an activity. What's actually so is the spirit. So in that situation, if I... With the selfing, if I see what's happening, the emphasis leaves the object and leaves the subject and now rests in the consciousness, the activity of being alive or the sense of beingness, yeah? Not the sense of wasing and sense of willing, which is all mentally produced, yeah? The feeling of what you were like is mentally produced and the feeling about what's gonna, what you're gonna be like is all mentally produced. You cannot have it produced any other way because all there is is right now happening, yeah? In, this, in the mental realm, the biggest emphasis is on what's not happening. It's always on the past and the future. Yeah? And yet, if you attend to it, it produces effects now. So I see people, you can bring them in the most lovely place with the music on and the water fountains and everything, and yet they're anxious as hell because they can't respond to what's happening. They're reacting to what's not happening. It's called being enslaved. So for me, in this one particular aberration of self-centeredness called alcoholism, in the program of recovery, the program diminishes the mental state so that the other state that's always so and always available becomes obvious, not to itself, but to you, yeah, to the mind. So the mind now entertains the possibility not by, oh, I am that truth, but I am not that. See, if it starts going, I'm the truth, then it's going to be you thinking you're the truth. Yeah. But if, if, if it goes the other way and you look at the you and you realize, hey, I am not that, that's the truth. Yeah. It dawns on you much differently. Because I was in a practices where they gave you this ideal thing. Um, all there is is love and you're the uh, center of love and this and that. And it sounded great hearing about it, but what was hearing it was the dilemma. Yeah? What was hearing it was construed in self-centeredness. Now, self was going to try to get out of self, which it can't do. Or like it says in, in Zen, mind can't seek mind. Buddha can't seek Buddha. Yeah? That's the whole dilemma here. We're taking ourselves not to be mind, not to be Buddha, and now we're seeking Buddha and mind. Yeah? only because of the ignorance produced by believing we're this. If you, and so instead of trying to find the Buddha, question this. Find out who you are. Ding! But I don't feel like the Buddha. Exactly. You're not going to feel like a conceptual anything. You're just going to be on, on, incessantly on. It's like, in a way, we used to always use this thing of, hey, you're a lion, you know, just as an example. You're a lion. You're a lion. You're a lion. You're a lion. Sounds great. 
okay, everyone's hearing it, and then here's the message, you're a lion, you're a lion, you're a lion, you're a lion, you're a lion. It hits the ear, and now, let's say this is the sheep ear, now the best it can do with that message is, I, I as the sheep, can become like a lion. That's not the message. That's the dilemma with self-centeredness, yes? The dilemma with self-centeredness is it's going to claim even its own absence. If you ever had an experience of an epiphany, I bet you it started to end when a thought system rose and said, man, I just had this incredible spiritual epiphany. That was the end of the epiphany, yeah? Because the mental process arose, claimed it, and now it's neutered. Yeah? Now it's something that you had, and you put it on your little spiritual mantle, and that, not being happening now, drives you fucking crazy the rest of your life. We probably would have been better off if you never had an epiphany. And in fact, you never did have an epiphany. But as soon as it becomes something you had, it's going to be used to make this moment miserable because it's not here. I've seen it. I've watched people, 27 years, professional spiritual seekers. They had one of those aha moments and they've been chasing it just like we used to chase a shot of Coke. You know, that one shot, wow, great. So it's not so much... You can hear all about being like a lion. The thing is, let's see how it's being heard. Is it being heard from a sheep's point of view? If it is being heard from a sheep's point of view, the best it can do with that message is, no, I beg to differ with you. I'm not a lion. I'm actually a sheep. You may never say it, but that's the case. And now the best it can do is, hey, I can become like a lion. Yeah. So now maybe you'll get pictures of lions and put them in a room, a very nice room, get candles and get pillows and stare at these pictures of lions and, you know, maybe straighten your hair so you get a little mane and have roaring classes, buy little CDs at the back of a spiritual magazine, how to roar like a lion and listen to them. And a few other people get together and we're all practicing becoming like a lion. But the whole point is every moment you're practicing becoming like a lion, it's reaffirming that you're a sheep. That's the dilemma to me. Now, that's how it's been revealed to me when things sort of shift. I realized the biggest dilemma wasn't that I couldn't find the truth. It was I was obscuring the truth in a sense. The idea of being me looking for the truth was one of the best ways never to quote-unquote find it. Because all I find is me. (laughs) So if I know God, if I know God, I'm a knower of God. And then like Ramana Mahashi, a great saint, said, when you know God, you be God. Yeah, That's not how my mental process worked. I wanted to know the truth so I could become a knower of the truth, like the truth was going to give me another advantage in my life so that I could have an easier, softer way. Yet in, like St. Francis says, it's in the forgetting of the self that we're reborn. It's not in the finding of the self. It's in the forgetting of the self. So there's a... uh, Zen master called Dogen, D-O-G-N, he said a really nice thing. He says, the study of Buddhism is the study of self. And to study the self is to forget the self. That's so beautiful, man. Because that's what we attempt to do here in a humble way. We attempt to study selfing so that it will distill into an idea that, hey, I'm not that. And that will be, and as soon as it's not about you, you'll lose interest in it. And that's the act of forgetting it, Yeah is the interest and attention gets withdrawn. And now that interest and attention that's been enslaving you to this idea of being Paul or Mary or Stu or whoever is now going to enrich your life. It's the same interest and attention. It's just freed up 
from something. Yeah? <laughs> so if you you know sign up for a class that's going to last two years, how to lose obsession with self, that could be construed as obsession with self, right? So you can't escape self as self. You can't use the Buddha to find the Buddha. You can't use mind to find mind. Yeah? That's what really stills you. It really shuts off that whole... You know how agitated some days are, you know, in the day? But basically our, our, our primary state in self-centeredness is agitation. Self-centeredness is self-seeking. Yes? It's always on the move. It's always looking to fulfill itself. Yet it's like those, those uh, in Tibetan Buddhism, the hungry ghost, which has a big belly, has a huge appetite, but a very small mouth. It never gets enough. So the selfing is always going to be a, a, a thwarted desire. It wants to become something it can never be. And that desire getting thwarted creates a lot of agitation and dis-ease and irritability and restlessness. So most days you're trying to become something or unbecome something. Something that you believe you are that you don't want to be and something that you believe you're not that you want to be. So you just, it's just moving, constantly moving. That's why it says in, in uh, page 63 about one of the benefits of getting established in this condition of reliance on something greater than, than self is that you'll be able to enjoy peace of mind. You'll be able to enjoy it. Peace of mind's available, but when we're agitated, when we're in an agitated state, we can't enjoy the peace of mind. The peace of mind we can't enjoy because our mind is, this little mental process is agitated. Yeah? When agitated meets peace, it worries that it's going to leave it soon or it's going to lose it. That's not peace, is it? No. So what happens is, when the ball drops and doesn't get picked up, you'll know something has occurred. And it will turn, for me, it's demonstrated as a traveling writer over a long period of time now. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, it just works. And that's how you know the problem by the solution, really. You know, if the solution starts activating, you'll now understand the problem. And the problem will lead you to forget it, because the problem isn't you. It's not about you. <laughs> you know? You will know the problem by the solution. From the solution's point of view, it's imaginary. It's an activity of mind. From the problem's point of view, it's reality. From the solution's point of view, it's imaginary. Yeah? It's an appearance. It's smoke and mirrors. There's nothing real and substantial about it at all. It's constantly, constantly agitated and moving. It has no center whatsoever. It's just whirling. Whirling around this false sense of you as the self. Yeah? Its whole solar system is based on a false sun. You're the most you, you could be as a moon reflecting the big sun, but you take yourself to be the sun. And then all your planets try to align with that, and it's very weak. Yeah. There's no juice there. So what's one to do? I don't know. I found I went to these I went to talks similar to this and I 
my mind started to entertain possibilities, and then they they bore fruition. You know, they bore fruit. And by uh, by the effects of the solution, I started to get a clearer understanding about the problem, and it all distilled into I'm not that. And when I'm not that, I lose interest in it. Yeah. Just like I always use that example of I'm concerned and want to meet this girl because, you know, my mind has that she's going to save me or, you know, she's the one, whatever it is, it's always trumped up. It's always given a lot of meaning. And so she's in the other room and I'm supposed to be doing something here and uh, I'm attempting to show up and do my job, but my interest and attention doesn't listen to me. It goes to whatever is important to me. And so that girl in the other room, so I'm trying to listen to her conversation. Hopefully she'll say something. Yeah, because I don't actually want to ask her out without knowing, like, there's a little, the bet is hedged because I don't want to go through rejection, God forbid. So I'm waiting, and then, uh, so someone notices, says, Paul, you're supposed to be here. And I go, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm just, my interest is in there. So then they, he comes up to me and throws a book on the table, you know, how to lose interest in a conversation in the other room. The page through it, read the chapter heads. I agree this is my dilemma, but I can't whistle that intention back. I can't. Try it. Have you been able to? It's not your attention. It's attention. <laughs> you don't own it. <laughs> it doesn't really respond to your whistles. And then, all right, suddenly I hear her talk, and now I'm really keen on it, you know? X-ray hearing. And then suddenly she says, I really like that guy, Matt. My name is Paul. What happens? Don't I lose interest in that conversation in a nanosecond? Why? I couldn't pry it away when I thought it may be about me. But as soon as I realized it wasn't about me, my interest and attention left on its own uh, power. Yes? I didn't have to try to drag it back, do three months of practices. It just went... And it came right where it always can be, right here and now. Yeah? That's as simple as it is. That's the whole point. How can you forget the self unless you realize it's not you? Or at least start to entertain it. Because if you're entertaining it as a self, that's not forgetting the self. That's how you remember the self. Trying to forget it. Yeah? All the selfing is, all the feeling of you is, is a remembrance. That's all it does. The mind, that's, that's why it likes to think about the past and the future, because it can picture you there. Yeah? It can picture you. When, the only way it can go that far into the past, it has to be drawn to the little honeypot. And the honeypot is this little image of you, because the mind is identified with that image as representing you. So it can go way back there. No one else could ever find that past. But your, your interest and attention will follow that line of thought and bingo, hit you, and then thoughts will evolve around it, and you'll be obsessed about you. Yeah? Same thing in the future. No one, no navigator could ever find where you go <laughs> in the future in the mental realm. But the tethering, what, what, what is the anchor for all that interest and attention, thoughts that go to there, is the body. Yeah? That's how the thought system pictures you, as a body or having a body. That's its weather vane. That's its anchor. That's how it can obsess over you somewhere else at some other time. And why? Because it remembers you that way. You are in here as what, how, it, how it's picturing you is not what we are, so it has to remember you for you to appear as this. Yeah? 
for you to take yourself to be a historical figure, you have to be remembered. Yeah? What would happen if you did some service in AA and got that experience of you got out of yourself? What's the great joy of it? You, thought you stopped remembering yourself and you were attending to that person or that activity. Let's say when I'm surfing, the greatest joy of the surfing is I've forgotten myself. Yeah? That's, or when you're doing your pottery or art, that's why people talk about they get so absorbed in it is because the joy of it is they forgot themselves. That's the whole freaking point. But it's very difficult to forget yourself if you take yourself to be yourself. Because as soon as you forget yourself, the self will arise, claim it, and say, I had this incredible, I did it. I had this, I got into the zone while surfing. It will claim every freaking thing. It'll even claim its own absence. I know so many people who are coming to talks like this, who they want to be there, they want to be there to get it. They want to be there to have an experience of their own absence. <laughs> That's how the mind grabs you. Now you're waiting for an imaginary destination. And all the while, what's looking is what you're looking for. But you're looking in time, back and forward. You're looking in the modality of doing and having. Everything is lost that way. Every fucking thing is lost. Self-centeredness is a form of looking which blinds you to the seeing. You can't see. That's like Jesus says, you know, for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Yeah? Because a lot of, in most cases, that's not where we're at. We're in a form of looking called self-centeredness. That's seeing that's been claimed by selfing and turned into looking. And when we're looking for something, you miss it. If you're looking, if you're looking for something, you're going to miss everything. Because you're going to be right in the space of everything while you're looking for what you're calling everything. Yeah. You'll miss it. It'll be like the open secret. It'll be the gateless gate. It'll be right, right underneath your nose at all times. With no requirement necessary to meet it. It's only if you believe there's degrees and judgments and things you need to do or not need to do. You're dreaming this place. You set up the rules. You put distance and, and time between you and that. And there's no distance in between you and that. There's only that. Yeah. But we have this thing of an idea that I'm here and now I want to get there. Good luck. As soon as you get there, it's here again. Yeah. I want to leave here to get there. As soon as you arrive at that there, it's here. You're still here. <laughs> here, here, here. Yeah. So what else can you say? It's just an invitation. If you entertain it, I have faith in mind. Mind has... Uh, The only dilemma I find in self-centeredness, your ability to entertain, the mind's ability to entertain, not your ability, the mind's ability to entertain, has been severely saddled by the system it's engaged with, self-centeredness, yeah? So when you entertain being okay, it's usually a future event. Or you maybe have past ideas of when you were okay. But you're very rarely in the sense of okayness now, yeah? 
So okayness, which is quite available right now, is put into time. Yeah? And now you're seeking for that okayness, that which you already are. And I'll tell you, it's a one-trick pony. It just, it just expounds on that one dilemma. It puts out, it puts what you are outside of yourself, and now you're seeking for what you already are. You know, it's the same principle. One example to millions and millions of examples. Whatever the mind can imagine, it can do. So you can be the source of happiness and have it be a woman, you think, and then you're with that woman for three years and not paying much attention to her at all. Then one day she decides to leave and then suddenly she's the source of your happiness again. Yeah? It's funny how much you usually want things you don't have. Yeah? <laughs> what would the mind do with it if, it was, if you had what you wanted? Exactly. The mind likes to have you sense that you need something you don't have. Why? Because that's how it remembers you. You get busy working towards it. <laughs> and what happens when you arrive there? Maybe you have a small respite and then you're back on the road again looking for a better or more. Or, you know, It's like you never question a formula. We just play around with the numbers and we move the equal sign and add and multiply. But it's the same fucking formula. Yeah? It's failed. In recovery, it says, why do you have so much fear today? It's a great statement, incredible statement. If you could just sit there, let's say at 12 o'clock, and have a little meeting, and everyone would just sit for five minutes with that statement, you know? Don't say anything, don't share. Just, why is it, why do you have so much fear today? And then I'm telling you, man, the popcorn maker would start popping, you know? Oh, it's because of where I grew up, or whatever, you know? And then he just cuts it right off and says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? What? Oh, yes. Everything can be brought back to that one statement. All your, all the different manifestations of fear can be brought to one thing. Isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? That reliance of self has allowed all of this fear to spring and geometrically progress. Yeah? to levels of anxiety, this and that, you know, on and on and on and on and on, all going back to one one platform, one plank of the system of self-centeredness, which is reliance on it. And you can't rely on something more than thinking it's you. I mean, that is way, way, that is an incredible extreme reliance. You're so relied on it, you take it to be you. Yeah, And yet he's saying clearly it's a failed system. Why not? How can you how can you argue with that? Look at our lives. So if you have to prepare to enjoy peace of mind, that's the antithesis of peace of mind. Yeah? If you have to get ready to enjoy that, which is always so, you've just, you've been injected into it again. Selfing has been once again injected into it. Yeah? Creating space and time and you having to do something and have something and get somewhere and always having to be vigilant with this preoccupation, you're going to lose it. How's that, how's that going to engender any peace in one's life? 
Would you really feel confident about enjoying peace if you truly believed it was on you? <laughs> After all your track records of relying on yourself, would you really rely on you and feel confident that you were going to be able to enjoy peace of mind every day, most of the time? No fucking way. You know? The only way you can convince yourself is by doing heroic things and working super hard. When this is more about relaxed awareness. It's just about like when you were a kid. Yeah. When you were a kid, when I was a kid, I was playing, I was here and now because my mind hadn't thought I could be anywhere else yet. Yeah? When I was playing, I wasn't worrying about, will I be playing next week? Because time hadn't become too strong yet in my head, yeah? So I wasn't walking around my house and thinking my room was too small and my mother was ugly. None of that was going on yet. I had to grow into that state, yeah? My mind had to leave a certain state and grow into another state called self-centeredness. Voila! It's like we climbed up the ass of self and then we closed the door on ourselves. (laughs) It's it's totally dark there. We can't see a fucking thing, but we think we know everything. Yeah. It's like being a professor of holes and you're still falling into holes. How is that self-knowledge availing you of anything? It says it in the book of recovery. Self-knowledge avails you nothing. Any knowledge claimed from by the self is not going to lead you to freedom from self. It's going to it's going to bond you even more because now you're going to know why you're fucked. Yet still be fucked. What's the point of that? Oh, let me tell you why I'm fucked. Please don't. You know, fuck. <laughs> So what would happen if you realized that deeply that self is unreliable? And maybe you heard an invitation that maybe there's a sense that a mental process presented an idea and that you're starting way past that idea took. You know what I mean? You're already absorbed in the idea of being a self. So why not, instead of trying to get back to where you think you were, let's say it's like a game board, and let's say uh, square zero is that, you know, spirit and stuff like that. Let's say when we were a kid, we were closer to the zero than we are seemingly now. Now, when selfing started getting dominant, we, are, we think we're on square five, but we think that's the beginning square. Yeah, We very rarely question that I'm not Paul, you know? We take that to be the square. Now the game, our mental game, starts at square five, and therefore we think we make, we know what the game's about, but it really truly doesn't make much sense for, to a lot of us, yeah? We, we, we hit all the jackpots, but they seem, their effects seem to be, uh, short-lasting, you know what I mean? They don't last that long, and I, you know, I follow everything I was supposed to do, and when I got what I was supposed to get, it didn't translate into an ease and comfort. And there's all this speculation about the game, but it's the game didn't doesn't start at square five; it's zero. Yeah, yeah. And self can't go back there. Self is only square five. Yeah. The, when it turns to look at square zero, it looks at it from square five. 
that you're never going to see square zero. But what if you were not that, which is at square five? You may realize and get it downloaded and have it intimated over periods of time here that you are square zero. Yeah? And therefore, I am not square five. Then you lose interest in square five, and then you lose interest in the way the game is presented from square five. And now you may find a way of life that brings a lot more joy than the old way of life used to bring you. Maybe the intention that says about the higher power and recovery that it wants us to be happy, joyous, and free actually starts coming to pass. Yeah. Maybe you'll see red as red and blue as blue. Things that were very confusing will become clear. All this happens with no thought or effort on our part. The mind just shifts out of one system called self-centeredness to, let's say, a system called centeredness, but not on self. Centeredness. Yeah. So you're actually in your life every second of the fucking day because you can't be anywhere else. Yeah. It brings something that you can't get in an interpretation. It brings like an alam vital, a sense of being alive. Yeah. Tactile feeling, a sense of presence. Or like it says in AA, you will feel that you'll, you'll now be able to sense, a, you'll have a conscious presence of that power. Exactly. And then it downloads, and things that used to make sense in a certain way get reconfigured. Yeah. What's not happening doesn't have the influence it used to have because it doesn't have one quality which one, something else does, which this is happening. All of the thoughts about yesterday and tomorrow are not happening. Yeah. Now, they can, they can have millions of scenarios, and this can only have one scenario, but this one quality that it's happening can override all of that fucking shit about what's not happening. You'll have immunity to it. You'll be able to, you know, the light that you are will outshine circumstances and situations instead of having your, your light, the little bit it shows up based on circumstances and situations. You, you now will outshine the circumstances and situations you're in. So we all have, a lot of us have lifestyles. This isn't a new lifestyle. This is a way to illuminate whatever lifestyle you're in. If you're in a lifestyle of an artist, this will illuminate it. If you're a business person, this will illuminate it. Because this is light. It's not with doing something to produce light. This is light. Yeah. This is the light of awareness, the light of mind. So whatever lifestyle you're in, it's going to illuminate it. Yeah. For me, it was AA. So it illuminated AA for me. It gave it a lot of life for me. Yeah. Well, maybe I would have left AA and had to look for something that I didn't think AA had anymore. But this infused a lot of light into AA because I bring the light to where I go. AA is just a perfect platform for me to live a contented life here. Yeah. 
Someone else, it could be Buddhism. Someone else could be working. It doesn't matter. The mind isn't constrained by any fucking form. Yeah. It's flexible and it's... Things get pared down. You become economized. You don't add on to you anymore. There's more and more losing of it. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I was insatiable out there and now I don't give a shit about much at all. I never think about drugs or drinking or anything like that. Why I was insatiable is because I wasn't satisfied. Now I'm satisfied, and that's the best answer to dissatisfaction, is satisfaction. Yeah? Not the one that comes and goes and produces an addiction, but a state of mind that you can rely on. Yeah? It brings about a contentment and an ease and comfort, and then your mind is open and enjoying peace of mind. And you'll so you'll your life will demonstrate the difference when you start relying on something that's reliable yeah. instead of a crazy thought system. And then you'll have it by giving it away. Yeah. It doesn't have to be any form that you give it away. You're giving it away. Yeah. That's what light does, it extends, you know. It shines. Yeah. There's just the old modality. That's what that was one of the biggest downloads I've had. The format that our minds work here is already failed. We start from an incredible assumption, and that assumption it geometrically progresses into an incredible, insane situation. Yeah. I mean, really, if you took a stock of your day in your head and you noticed it over time, you'd see that the thought system values past and future more than now. Don't you think that's insane? That I would listen to a station playing all day that's always playing golden oldies and then, and then projecting them as golden newies, you know? But never, never about now. I couldn't... I just, and then, the people that are in that state, they're the ones who are most afraid of dying. Yeah? They're totally scared of dying, but in a sense, they're not living. That's why they're so afraid of dying. They think they need more time. They need more chances. Yeah? But someone who I feel, if you meet people that are really here, they're not afraid of dying at all. They've died, actually, in a sense. You know? They, they're brazenly alive. <laughs> so. so if you want, look at the dictionary, look up self. See the word self, and there's a hyphen, and there's about 90-something qualities after it. And then maybe as fun, total up. Let me make up a, an arbitrary uh, column, negative and an arbitrary column of positive, and then see how many fall where, yeah? As expressions or manifestations of self, yeah? And why is that? The system is a failed system.
don't you remember in the book, being convinced that self manifested in various ways, yeah? Check out some of its various ways. Look at the dictionary. <laughs> That'll give you a little bit of it. Now, you take that, those ways, and give it time, and give it space, it's going to progress, geometrically progress. What starts out as a little thing turns into neuroses after a while, yes? These little possibilities get to grow, and they get to express here, and they manifest, yeah? And yet, you, if you follow it back to the horn that's playing them, I would say it's where you're sitting, yeah? If the mind that is representing you right now is resting in self-centeredness, it's basically an, uh, a vehicle for the expression of this system called self. That's what it is. Yeah. And the trippy thing is, when that system of self expresses through us, the system of self says it's mine. <laughs> These are my fears. These are my resentments. These are my this. This is my, 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 my. You don't see it, the disease of that? We talk about a system that's defeated us. It says it in the book, being convinced that self has defeated us, so it separates the two. Now it says, okay, after we say, all right, we're going to look at some of its common manifestations, self, yeah? And in the next paragraph, it says resentment. So if you look at it that way, it seems like resentment is an expression of a thought system called self-centeredness, yeah? If the mind is captured by that thought system, it's going to perceive things as threats here. And it's going to remember things that are going to bring it into this realm of the past when it got slighted or hurt before. And basically so that you're remembered. That's what the resentment does. You refeel something and it remembers you. you know? <laughs> so if you see, okay, so now someone says, I want to talk to you about my resentments. They're already in the quote-unquote problem. They're claiming self's expressions as theirs. How far are you going to go with that? If that's already in place, how far can you expect? How much radical freedom can you expect? If you're calling the that failed system, if you're calling its expressions yours, you are demonstrating the failed system. You're identified with its expressions. You are in the illness, in a sense, right there and then. I mean the deep illness. Maybe alcoholism will go away, but may, usually it goes into other things then, because the deep illness is still in place. You know, porno, or this, shopping, or eating, or sex, or whatever. It just, it's like... Uh, Someone said it's like water, it's just gonna keep seeking its level, yeah? Just gonna go if any if there's any if any conditions are ripe, it's gonna come through. It's gonna come through. Well I think all of those expressions and manifestations of self get their moment in the sun by us as the doorway, by us being identified as that self. We allow self to manifest through this opportunity. Yeah? And we work on all of its expressions as ours. Yeah? How, how easy is it going to for you to say goodbye to a kid if you think it's yours? Yeah? How easy is it going to be for you to say goodbye to fear if you think it's your fear? How easy is it really going to be for you to give up resentments if they're yours? Yes? There's an identification, there's a claiming, and what you have has you. 
What you own owns you. What you claim claims you. Yes? So when I started doing the inventory and looking at it as a foreign installment, that's when I had radical fucking relief. Because the fears aren't mine, they're fears being generated from a system of thought. Yes? Self-centeredness. And it's defined perfectly. The center of the system is self. <laughs> so if you don't, and usually you won't know if you identify as self. <laughs> you really won't until you're not. And then you'll know it was there. But you will never know when it is there. <laughs> so if you're not, then self's going to try to get out of self, which is going to, it's like those Chinese thumb punk, thumb torture. You know, you're going to be, yeah. I don't know, this cleared up a lot of stuff when I heard this about 11 years of sobriety. got to 24 now, I think. Yeah, it just uh, shifted everything for me. Because I felt like I got to the root of the problem, which is identification as self. The obsession with self is what the mind does to keep the identification in place. It has to, because it's not a natural bond. Yeah? You bonded to the idea of being a self is not natural. It needs, a glue has to be applied all day. Yeah? And that's the thought system. That's what it's doing. The I, me, my. It's, it's applying the glue so that your mind will be bonded to the idea of being a body, a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yeah? It can't be so, so it has to appear to be so. And for that to continue, there's got to be a lot of glue. That's why you have like 70,000 thoughts a day going up there. You don't need them to do your job. If they're doing their job of their own. They're reinforcing and supporting the idea of being a self. Really, 70,000 thoughts. That's, and some some uh, research says even more. There's 70,000 thoughts passing through this noggin every day, seemingly. I mean, I'm a house painter. I was. I needed maybe 12 thoughts to do a job, you know? Like a thought around 12 o'clock, I'm hungry. Okay, go eat, you know, and finish, you know. Usually I wasn't, I was usually confronted with four walls and a ceiling. It wasn't, oh, this is a, this is a new challenge for me. No, it was basically the same thing. What were the 69,984 thoughts doing other than that? I mean, they were up to something. Lewin. <laughs> My mind to the idea of being this little action figure that my mind is totally concerned about. <laughs> Why is it so concerned about? If I was really so, I probably would be have an ease and comfort being so. Why is it that everything has to be reviewed and thought about? Because we're stuck into a mental realm. We need fucking relief. Yeah. So some people go through the physical. But the mind will claim that, and hopefully, if the mind, but if the mental realm gets diminished, the quote-unquote spiritual realm will become obvious, yeah, to you. It doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean shit if it's obvious. It means a whole lot if it's to you, yeah? So. Ah, yeah. See, we have to have these meetings, because I like hearing this message. I do. So I haven't missed a meeting yet. 
20 years, 19 years. <laughs> I like it. I like the repetition. Yeah. It's like using the poison of this place as an antidote. Because that's what happens. That's how we get into these, these habits of mental grooves. It's repetition. The mind keeps saying, you know, you're a loser, you're a loser, you're a loser, you're a loser. A few people sprinkle, their, you're a loser and that's all you need. And then it's like, you're convicted of that thing and now you're trying not to be that the rest of your days, which is all selfing, isn't it? Or then someone says, you know, Paul, you could become your authentic self. And now you now, now you believe you're not that, but you want to become that. You know, it's just, it goes either way. It's like a slinky. It's just, there's no beginning. It's just one movement produces another movement. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. Selfing is not going to find peace. It's agitation. It's activity. It can't enjoy peace. It tries to claim peace and then neuter it. Yeah, that's what it does. It can't, it can't take the posture to receive peace. It can't. It's not built that way. It's, it's built as grasping, desiring, taking, having, owning. Yes? It doesn't think, it doesn't see much value in opening up unless it can close on. You know? It doesn't have that in its uh, system. That's why I remember, yeah, I had some experience with that. But you cannot embrace what is with the way you're mentally constructed. You just can't, you just, it's... So, yeah, that's it. Any questions today? No. Okay, that's it. Exactly. It takes it takes form based on your own mind in a way. That's why in Course in Miracles they always they talk about uh, we're the dreamers of the dream. Yeah, you and I are, are dreaming this dream. We forgot that we dreamt it, and we've given everything we dreamt all the power to affect us. Yeah, that's the whole situation here, right? So it says you and I are the dreamer of this dream. 
You know, it's like he, he was just saying this Heisenberg principle on the major thing in physics is the biggest influence of any experiment is the observer of it. Yeah. Yeah? So it's the mind. When it's looking for light to appear as a particle, it does. When it's looking for it to appear as a wave, it does. Yeah. Light doesn't have any form in and of itself. We give it the, you know, we give it the form. That's what's happening here. In old, in, in Hinduism, they would talk about name and form. That's exactly what mind does. It gives name to everything and form. That's called dreaming. You know, of course, would say, you and I give everything all the meaning it has. That's called dreaming. That's sort of what, why we feel like we're having a subjective experience. Because you're giving the same thing a different meaning, maybe, than I am. Yeah? So my relationship to that thing is actually the meaning I give it. That's what I'm relating to. I'm not relating to the thing itself. I'm relating to the meaning that I give it. It's just like you. Yeah? So we're dreaming in this place. And uh, we're the dreamer, which is the real responsibility. You know, you talk about cash register honesty, which is important here. But the real responsibility is to be responsible for what you really are. Yeah? To entertain what role you play here. It's a huge role. Yeah? So here, I, here we are, we're dreaming this, and, but we forgot we're the dreamer. And we, by our forgetting we're the dreamer, we've given everything, we've dreamt all the power to affect us. Yeah? It's a pretty damn good uh, explanation about what's happening here. And it's like a one sentence in The Course of Miracles. I love those. It's just like, whoa, what? Yes. Yeah? So the same thing. So when I'm looking at a situation, it'd be good to know what's looking at the situation. What's giving that situation a meaning? Because the reaction is going to be based on what meaning is being given. If it's coming from self-centeredness, yeah, it's going to be the same old, same old reaction. Because we're going to react to the same old, same old meaning. Yeah. What would happen if you entertain the possibility there are other modalities of mind that would also give meaning through us. Yeah? It doesn't have to be self-centeredness where everything is seen as how it pertains to us. Maybe there's another system of mind called centeredness that everything would, would, would be seen as it pertains to everything. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah? <clears throat> but the fun of it is you discover this new way of seeing because you're living, you know? So it demonstrates itself while you're living and you get downloads about it. It's pretty cool. So, and usually the downloads tell you what the problem was because you're now in the activity of the solution. Yeah, you see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, so. Okay, well, thanks for coming, everyone. And, um, yeah. More, more than welcome.